Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Boot Camp as we study Parshat Vayeshev, Tough Shin Pei Bet. We thank our season sponsors, Alana Mark Rothenberg, as well as Rachel Feiner, Le'iloi Nishmas Hazriel Ben Yaakov Feiner. Vayeshev, so many attempts to try to understand this story. The favoritism that Yaakov shows to Yosef, the reaction from the brothers, Yosef's own behavior. And we have to do this with Yerat Shemayim. We're just not analyzing people from the media, but we also want to do it in a careful, sensitive, and analytical way. I want to share with you this year some new approaches, not to justify what happened, but to get a better understanding of the story and how ultimately things did, according to the language of one of the great Rishonim, Rabbeinu Manoach al-Rambam, things rolled out of control, as often may happen. The first commentary that we're going to use, I'm not sure if we've ever used him before in a Chumash class, is Reb Chaim ben Yosef Vital, the great student of the Arizal, also a student of Ramosha Alshech, one of the great Rabbanim from Tzfat in the 16th century. V'Yisrael Ahavas Yosef Mikol Banav, Ki Ben Zekunim What Reb Chaim Vital wants to try to understand, what was Yaakov thinking by favoring one child over the other, specifically by giving him a Hanukkah present, by giving him clothes, by giving him something that no one else received. And what he suggests is very fascinating. We have a concept in the Gemara, kinas sofrim tar If there is jealousy, healthy jealousy between scholars, it could generate chachma. What he saw happening in a very careful way was that the understanding of Kiben Zakunim Hulo, that he was the son of his Chachma. Yaakov Avinu had a very ready student named Yosef. Yosef wanted to come learn with Yaakov. But for some reason, the other 11 children were not as interested in learning from Yaakov. So what he did, what Yaakov did, is he tried to show some favoritism. He gave an incentive, not for Yosef, who already was his prized student, but if he could show that I give the student who achieves in the classroom, in the house, something special, then maybe the other brothers would be more interested in learning from him. <laughs> Excuse me. Unfortunately, that's not the way the story ended up in a positive way. But that was his attempt. It was his Eitza. He was desperate for his children to learn from him. Now, the message over here that we take away is maybe to offer all of the incentives directly to all of the children. I'm not sure. But at least Yaakov is making an attempt to be as inclusive as possible, an attempt that, of course, according to the story, did backfire. Now, this leads us to a very different approach, but along the same lines from the Kliakar. And I'm going to present his thesis, and then a challenge by a contemporary Rav in B'nai Brak, Rabbi Yaakov Reiner, who's a close student of Rabbi Chaim Kenievsky. He publishes every week Vitaher Libeno. It's a wonderful collection. He's, I believe, an educator in seventh grade. He raises important questions we've quoted from him before. Rashi tells us, based on the Medrash, 
She called everything that he learned from Shem Ve'eber, Masar Lo, he gave over to Yosef. And the question the Kliyaka raises, the obvious question is, why doesn't he give over to all of the sons what he learned? And he suggests, and it sounds a little bit like because all of the children, they were absorbed in their own Chachma, and they didn't connect to Yaakov. You see, according to this approach, it's not that they weren't involved in learning, but they learned on their own. They had their own yeshivos. Abu Yosef ben Zekunimulo, Yosef, who was the son of his old age, and it's true we know that Benjamin was even a son of older age, but it was Yosef who was spending the time with Yaakov, and he wanted to learn from his Rebbe, and he wanted to learn what his Rebbe Yaakov learned from the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever. So he suggests that the other sons never had the opportunity and therefore they were jealous. But it seems that in many ways it was their choice. You could sometimes be jealous of someone, but you could have just walked right into the door and taken the same opportunity. But Rabbi Reiner challenges this thesis because he says if these are the great shvatim, then why wouldn't they learn with their father? Everything is a Masorah. The ideal way to learn is father to child, Avraham to Yitzchak, Yitzchak to Yaakov, Yaakov to the children. So what does this mean, that they had the opportunity, but they didn't take advantage of each other? So he suggests something a little bit different, and he says it with uh, speculation. In fact, before giving the answer, Rabbi Reiner says, V'yitakein, I hope Hashem saves me if I'm making a big mistake because I haven't seen this anywhere. What he says was, if you look at the other brothers, the other brothers were raised when Yaakov was basically working 24-6 for Lavan. That was all he could do, Yaakov. Not just to support the family, but in order to exist in Lavan. Yaakov is the one who worked the Cholkoach. And therefore, he didn't have the same opportunity to learn with them as he did with Yosef. Maybe he learned something, maybe an hour or two hours, but not like now as a person who is in retirement and has an, a child and he's able to sit all day. And it's possible, he suggests, that this is what bothered the Shvata. Maybe there was nothing else that could be done about it. But so what? That doesn't mean that they're not jealous. Sometimes we could be jealous of something, even if it wasn't a reality that things could be different. So this is his approach. Again, what we're seeing from different commentaries is an attempt to understand how is it that this event could happen, that brothers of such a high level could throw a brother into the pit. You know, the Rambam tells us with all these justifications Yaakov was mistaken. This is not Baum saying, it's the Rambam. The Rambam in Hilchus Yerusha says we shouldn't favor one child over the other. Something like this could chas v'shalom happening. Finally, before we get to a short Hanukkah piece, I want to give you something from Rav Sternbach, who we've quoted before, but I'm not sure I've quoted in this year from a new volume of Svarim that have come out from Rav Sternbach. Rav Sternbach's a Rav in Eretz Yisrael. I think he's in his mid-90s, still putting out Svarim. 
This is Be'urim V'Hanhogos, I'll say their parashios Now he wants to understand Yosef in this whole story. The Pasuk tells us, Perak Lamedzai in Pasuk Beis, Vahu Na'ar, he was a Na'ar, he was a child. Why does the Torah tell us that? So Rashi tells us, the great Rishon, based on a Medrash, Shehaya Osa Masanaros. Okay, he was around 17 at this point. That's not really a Na'ar, but he would do immature things. For example, Metakein Beseiro, Mamashmesh Be'enov. He was trying to make himself look pretty. Why? I mean, it's okay. It's a teenager, but this is Yosef. Eventually, we're going to call him Yosef Atzadik. And he suggests something incredible. He says he knew that his father, Yosef knew that his father was favoring him. And he was very much embracing the love from the father. But he also was insecure because the brothers were looking down on him. So Yosef decided to make himself look like an immature person that was more focused on chitzonios than panemios. And then maybe the brothers would have rachmanis on him. They would say the reason why Yaakov is spending more time with Yosef is because he's a troubled child who needs more attention. So Yosef himself, according to this approach, is already being a strategist. You know, kind of like what we see later on in Mitzrayim. Now, either the brothers don't buy it, either kinah, jealousy, is so strong. You know, sinah, Chazal tell us, could destroy a straight line. But again, it's an attempt to understand Yosef within the whole story. Attempts to understand the brothers, attempts to understand Yaakov, and attempt to understand Yosef. And while we may not have a great explanation, we do have what we should always try to understand is a complex situation and what's happening. I'll leave you with something from the Gera Rebbe. We've quoted before from the Imre Emes, and a very basic point that the Imre Emes makes for Avraham Mordechai Alter, who lived from 1865 to 1948 on Hilchos Hanukkah, the history actually of Hanukkah. The Gemara tells us in Masecha Shabbos, Tavchaf Aleph, Lashana Acheres, it was the year after the miracle of the oil, the year after the Chashmonayim established the holiday of Hanukkah. He picks up on the fact that it was the next year. Why didn't Chazal establish the Yom Tov immediately after the miracle took place? Whether it's the miracle of the oil, the miracle of the military victory, why did they wait a year? And there are many different answers to this question, but I found this answer to be very relevant to us and to trying to have passion for mitzvahs. So the Ger Rebbe explained that very often, after a, an extraordinary event takes place, people are greatly inspired. But as time passes, their inspiration diminishes. Gradually, they forget completely about the occurrence. When the Nes Hanukkah took place, people were just so moved, incredibly inspired. So the Chachamim say, we're not going to establish a holiday right now. Right now, everyone has the inspiration. We're going to wait. And we're going to commemorate the miracle next year to show that even a year later, and we'd say today thousands of years later, the impact on the Jewish nation still exists. The Ramban says, this is not quoted by the Ger Rebbe, but I'm quoting it, that if not for the Chashmonayim, Torah would have been forgotten. The impact of what happened that year 
was still there, Lashana Acheres, the next year and forever. Have a great Shabbat.